Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. It's 2023, a new year, and for most of you, you may have set some sort of goals for the year. Whether that's joining a gym to lose the weight, making money moves by finding means to secure more of that financial bag. But I know one hot topic and one big goal that every millennial and Gen Z are trying to attain, and that's real estate. Many individuals that live here in Ontario are looking for ways to get their foot in the housing market. For some, it's starting to feel like an unattainable goal as interest rates are rising, making it harder for those to qualify. So let's set you up with the right information to help you better attain that goal. On today's episode, I've got Jaden Kennedy, a realtor found here in Ontario, to give you some gems to better set you up to hopefully get you enough knowledge and insight so that you can find your way into your own piece of property. So let's get real about real estate, shall we? Okay, so welcome to the podcast. We've got here a special guest. We've got Jaden Kennedy. Uh, Jaden, I'm just going to allow you to introduce yourself to our listeners, tell them a little bit more about you. Sounds good. Well, hello. First of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I think what you're doing is awesome. Um, <laughs> and a little bit about me. So my name is Jaden Kennedy. I am a real estate broker specializing here in the GTA. Um, I am 26 years old. And I got into real estate because I really want to bridge the gap between financial literacy and real estate acquisition. Um, so a bit of a backstory, I went to university in California, was lucky enough to get a full scholarship to play volleyball at a very affluent school. I started to ask people questions because I'm like, where is everyone getting this money from? And the common denominator was that they all invested in real estate. So I said, okay, this is very interesting. I came back home, started having conversations with people, you know, my friends, people within the community, and a lot of people weren't really familiar with the concept of purchasing real estate to build wealth. A lot of people saw, you know, purchasing a house as simply a liability, and they didn't see it as a means to build generational wealth. So I said, you know what, I might be onto something here. Let me do a little bit more research. Um, decided, you know what, let me just go all in on real estate learn as much as I can, and then try to convey the information that I took in in an easily digestible way. Because the main issue is there is some information on the internet, some is accurate, some isn't, some is easy to understand, some isn't. So let me 
do the brunt of the work, you know, and then just pass it along to people and hopefully they can share it with their friends, their family, normalize having financial conversations at the dinner table um, and hopefully build generational wealth and share generational knowledge. Awesome. Wow. That's a story that you got yourself into this. Great that you did because I feel as though the content that you're providing, if you don't know, uh, Jaden does have social media, so you can follow her on there and I will allow her to plug that in at the end of the episode. But I feel like it is easy to digest, like you said, for people who have no knowledge in it, um, especially Gen Z generation who's probably coming in trying to buy property. And so this was the whole purpose of this episode. I mean, it's really for anybody who's trying to purchase property here in Ontario, no matter what generation you're in. So Gen Z, millennials, I doubt boomers, but we'll, we'll say boomers. Right. <laughs> um, uh, Gen X is anybody. And so let's talk about buying property and, and start, and start. So at the basic, for those who don't know, if someone is looking to buy property, what are the things that they need to be aware of? What should they do first in order to start the process? Like give us a breakdown maybe from start to finish. No problem. So I'd say the first thing is a lot of people think that the first step is going to a mortgage person or going to a realtor and preparation for ownership starts significantly before that. You want to right now today, look at your relationship with both money and credit. If you don't know what your credit score is, go create an account on Credit Karma or BorrowWell and start building a relationship with your credit. You might run your credit and say, oh my goodness, my credit is significantly lower. You want to have 680 or higher. That is going to be the magic number. We can get into it later, but you want to ensure that you're building your credit up enough so that you can hit the 680 number. Um, there's certain ways that you can build your credit, but you have to understand how your credit score is even built. So for example, a good chunk of your credit score is determined by your repayment history. So are you paying your bills on time? If you're someone who doesn't do that, a way that you could build your credit is by simply paying your bills on time before the cycle, right? So that's one example. Um, another thing is just your relationship overall with money. You want to start saving as much money as you can, because unfortunately, with the way that homes have appreciated, you can no longer buy a house with $30,000. You're going to need maybe 50, 60, 70, $80,000 to buy the house. So number one is try to work on your stuff financially right now, and also your credit. Once you feel like maybe your, I personally I have no issues helping people build up to ownership. So if you hit me up and say, hey, I want to purchase in four years, I'll say no problem. Let's come up with a plan. I have financial advisors. I have mortgage people. Let's get you set up with the dream team and we will get you going, right? So after you feel like you have a good situation there, um, you can reach out to a realtor or a mortgage agent slash broker and start getting the pre-approval process done. Because in order to purchase a property, you're most likely not going to have all the cash that you need to buy the property. So you're going to need to get a loan and that loan is considered a pre-approval. But in order to get that loan, you're going to have to qualify for that loan, right? So they're going to look at your debt. They're going to look at your income. Uh, we can talk about that later, but we just want to make sure that you have a pre-approval before you go look at properties. Because the issue is some people like to go look at properties before they get pre-approved and then they get an approval and they find out that they're actually approved for a, like a significantly less amount than what they thought they would be approved for. So get pre-approved, get the realtor, you go house shopping. Once you find a house that you like, you're going to submit an offer. If they accept your offer, you're most likely going to have to give a deposit within 24 hours. So this is an amount of money. I usually recommend to my clients 5% of the purchase price. 
this is a show of good faith. So, hey, if the property is $500,000, they accept our offer. We are going to give you $25,000 as a deposit just to show you a sign of good faith. And then um, once the time comes to close on the property, you'll have two visits before then just to make sure the house looks up to standard, etc. Um, and you will close. I will say you have to get a mortgage in order to purchase the property. In order to get the mortgage before you close, it is imperative that you get insurance. If you do not get insurance on your property, they will not give you the funding to get your loan to close on the property. Okay. So that is. <laughs> okay. And so everybody has to get insurance. My understanding of it. Yes, yes, yes. You need insurance on the, so not mortgage insurance, which okay. we can discuss later, but um, like property insurance, you want to ensure that the property is insured. The lender doesn't want to give you money if you don't have insurance on your property. Okay. And so what are yeah. some of the misconceptions people are having about buying property? Like what is, like what are some crazy things that maybe you've even heard? Yes. Okay. So the first thing, which I can't even blame people because I had this misconception also, is that when you are going to buy a property, you do not pay the realtor. Using a realtor to purchase a property is free. The person who pays the realtor is actually going to be the people selling the house. So the people selling the house will say, hey, okay, this is the commission. Half of the commission goes to you, my listing realtor, and the other half will go to the buyer's realtor. So if you are putting off potentially purchasing a property or using a realtor to buy a property because you don't have the funds to say, um, you know, pay for a realtor, you don't pay for a realtor on the buyer side 99.9% .9 of the time. Okay. Yes. Good so that's the first know. one. Right? <laughs> exactly. So it's like some people say, oh, I don't want to use a realtor. And I'm like, look, it's free. Why not, you know, use a realtor? Um, number two is that you need 20% down. A lot of people hear 20%, 20%, 20%. You don't actually need 20% down. You can put as low as 5% down on a property. How it works is it's a staggered structure. So for the first 500,000, you can put 5% down. Then from 5% to, um, sorry, from 500,000 to a million, you can put 10% down. And then a million and up is when you need the 20% down. Now, if you're an entrepreneur, if it's investment property, et cetera, you may need 20% down, but as a first time home buyer, you can use the structure. So for example, a $500,000 house with 5% down, that's going to require $25,000 cash. If you want to purchase a $600,000 house, it's going to be 500,000 at 5%, which is 25, and then 100,000 at 10%, which is 10,000. So 25 plus 10, your down payment on a $600,000 house if you want to put the minimum, is going to be $35,000. So if I understand this correctly. Yes. <laughs> I'm just under the impression it's first time. So if you're first time buying a home, then yeah. you put 5% down. But after that, you don't apply. Is that also a misconception? Okay, so it really, this is the thing, even realtors, I don't like to speak on things that I don't know 100% about, okay. but what I can say is there are different stipulations. For example, if you do have not been on title for a property for five years, I believe it's four or five years, you could then typically be considered a first time home buyer. So it's not like, mm -hmm. okay, you purchased your first home. That's the only time you have the opportunity to capitalize on some of these programs. Um, you can be reconsidered a first time home buyer. Yeah. It's just based off of living slash if you've been on title for a certain amount of years prior to purchasing the next property. Oh, okay. Yes, but oh, okay. if you say like, hey, I'm living in this one property and I'm purchasing the next property, it's going to be investment, I'm renting it out, they're going to tell you that most likely you're going to need 20% down. Okay. Good job. Yeah. Oh, so thank you. Like I a that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem.
Another thing is a lot of people think that the only time you need cash is actually for a down payment, but you're also going to need cash for closing costs. So at the end of the transaction, you're going to have to pay for the lawyer, land transfer tax. There's a thing called adjustment. Basically, if the owner paid property taxes for the whole year and you purchased the house in July, that second half of the year, they'd already paid for. So when you go to close, you're going to reimburse them for that other half of the year that they're not going to be using. God. So that's typically between 1.5 to 3% of the purchase price. So say a $600,000 house, you're looking between like maybe 9,000, 18,000. So overall cash needed for a $600,000 house down payment, closing costs, you're looking between forty-four and $53,000. And that's now. That's as of 2023, 2022. Yes. Whew. Yes, exactly. But the thing is, how many houses are, are $600,000 realistically right now, right? So True. there's another thing. A lot of my clients, they're buying until they qualify. So I say that I, spe- I specialize in the GTA, but there are a few instances where I will go out a little further just to help my clients achieve ownership, right? But that's if you have the mindset and you're open to driving until you qualify. Because sometimes I, you know, meet these first time home buyers and they're like, no, I only want to live downtown. I want this, 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 that. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, but you are not going to qualify for this. <laughs> you could qualify maybe for a property out here, but if that's not something you're willing to entertain, can't help yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> can't, can't really help you too much. Yeah, yeah. The next one is pre-qualification and pre-approval, okay? So the difference between the two, there's a pre-approval, which means that you went, they gave you a piece of paper, they looked through your taxes, they ran your credit, and this is like the lender saying, this is the amount I'm going to give you. A pre-qualification, on the other hand, is you go to a lender, you say, hey, I make this much money, this is my credit, uh, this is you know, approximately what my debt is, and they verbally will say, or maybe they'll email you, we think that this is what you'd be pre-approved for. But that is a pre-qualification. That is not a pre-approval. You cannot go shopping with a verbal, okay. if not a commitment, right? You have to get the commitment on paper. So what I've run to quite a few times is people come to me thinking they have a pre-approval, but it's only a pre-qualification. And as I mentioned before, you might think, oh, I have this much money saved. But then when it really comes down to it, and we're crunching numbers. What you have is actually lower, which is going to reduce what you're approved for. So you just have to remember, I always, as a realtor, if someone comes to me and says that they're working with someone outside of my sphere, I say, no problem. Give me the paper copy of your pre-approval so I know that you've been pre-approved and not pre-qualified. Okay. 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 I'm learning so much. And you think I would know this because I... I own a home. <laughs> I should know this. You own a home. And you know, so that's, that's honestly why I'm so passionate about what I do. It's because I feel like a lot of realtors totally miss the whole education aspect. And it's like, this is one of the biggest transactions you're ever going to participate in, in potentially your life. Yeah. So I want to ensure that you know all the ins and outs. And so you're comfortable. So if you are talking about your transaction, you actually understand what you have gone through. And then this goes back to the whole generational thing. If you have an experience where you were educated, you can then educate your children when the time comes for them to purchase too. So for me, it's more of like a bigger picture situation. Um, but I like to hit on the little topics that I feel not too many realtors discuss. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I want to touch on is just credit. Um, people think that checking your credit score hurts your credit. It does not. So okay. there's two types of credit pulls. Okay. There's a soft pull and then there's a hard pull. 
A soft pull is stuff that is not seen by third, third parties. A hard pull is. So I check my credit score at least once a week. Like I said, Credit Karma, Borrowwell, go check them out. They use um, Equifax and TransUnion, which is two different credit reporting agencies that lenders will look at. So both scores will be a little different, but if you average the two out, that will give you a better idea of what you'd be approved for. Um, but yeah, the only time that it's going to hit your credit is when you're looking to borrow money and a third party is going in and seeing, oh, is Jaden eligible for that? But if okay. you simply go in and check your credit, you are good. And so if I see 680 plus, if I'm in the 700 mark, I'm good. Some people think, oh, if I have an 850 credit score, I'm going to get better options than someone with 750. As long as you're at the 700 or higher mark, you're going to have access to the same products as the person with, say, the 850. Okay. Good yeah. to know. I, and like I said, I, I should know a lot of this. One, because I own a home. Two, because my fiance works in this, so I should know. Okay. <laughs> He's a mortgage <laughs> underwriter, so I should know this. You but should know. I, <laughs> but um, okay. I'm not there yet, and I will be. <laughs> so thank now you. Now you know, no. Yes. Now you know, right? <laughs> exactly. Now I know for, like, future, if I ever have, like, I know I have a sister that um she eventually hopes to buy. Um, Now, yeah. I might not be able to give her the best gems because yes. um she's in a different province as i am so i don't oh. know what really i can give her uh, yeah. but i know i could probably find somebody out in montreal who's a realtor and help her out that way and but help her out. Yes. but uh this will help me in case i have i do have friends who are currently renting and do have you know thoughts to buy but this does yeah. help me and this episode will definitely help them as well i could always just say hey go listen to my episode and and the listen episode. to Jaden's. um and on that same topic i did just want to mention too like i i have clients who have certain budgets and i say you know what maybe your best option isn't to buy in ontario if you want to go buy in quebec or whatever i have a decent network when it comes to realtors so say you go. have for example your sister and she wants to buy in montreal i have connections in montreal that i have vetted that i trust that i'd be more than happy to refer her to so that's also something for all of you guys to keep in mind also there you go listeners so reach out to Jaden if you're looking to buy and if you're looking to buy outside also reach reach out to Jaden because she's next <laughs> connects exactly <laughs> now when looking for our properties what should first-time home buyers keep in mind so the first thing right is that you cannot go buy a detached bungalow four bed finished basement for three hundred thousand dollars anymore okay so unfortunately, $300,000 might not get you anything in the GTA, maybe a piece of land in Timbuktu, right? Oh, so <laughs> the main thing that we have to keep in mind is that we have to use our first home as a stepping stone towards our forever home because our budgets and our incomes are not going to be able to allow us to purchase our forever home on our first purchase. That also means that we have to lower our expectations. No, you might not have the quartz or the granite countertops and this, this, that. It might even be a fixer-upper. But once again, your first house is a stepping stone to get you closer to your dream home. And it might not be your first or second. It might be your third house. It might be your fourth house. But you really just have to understand that, unfortunately, homes are appreciating way faster than our salaries and incomes are going up. So it's just the unfortunate reality. And this is the main way to make it work. Okay. Um, I would also say, I always recommend to my clients, if you can buy the worst house on the best street. Now I say this because you can put sweat equity into that house and force appreciation. I would rather have you 
pay for a property where you're not paying for Michelle's efforts and all the upgrades that she put in, have someone pay for Jaden's efforts and all the work that she put in. So if you buy a house that's $200,000 under value, you put work into it and you increase the value by $300,000, you're already significantly ahead of the game because you put sweat equity into the property. Now, the issue with buying the nicest house on the worst street is awesome. You get a nice house, but if you're in a crap area, once again, I think big picture, when you go to resell that property, do you think that buyers who have children are going to want to purchase that house? Good Probably not. Right. So try to purchase properties. If you can get your realtor, not a lot of realtors do this. Look at the school districts. Try to position yourself somewhere that's close to good schools, because some people, they don't honestly, they don't care too much about the house. They prefer to have their kid in the right school district and they will do the work. But if you get one of the crappiest houses in the best school district, you get it at two hundred thousand dollars less. You bring up the value someone's going to get that house with say the quartz countertops, whatever, they're going to pay the premium for your effort. And you're going to have a bigger buyer pool than if you had a purchase in the crappy area. Yeah. Good point. Um, I will say one thing that I'm letting my listeners know now, and this is because this is my experience. Yeah. Um, do your research on condo corpse. Hmm. Do your research. And I, 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 Jaden, maybe you could say something about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so once again, this, this is how I see it. Okay. I'm a realtor. At the end of the day, I can, I assume my consumers or my, my clients, they know nothing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it is up to me to do my due diligence and to make sure that you guys are protected. So I do not know if this is what you are referring to. But for example, I always, there's a few conditions that you can put in an offer when you purchase a condo. One of those is reviewing the status certificate, right? Mm. And in this status certificate, it discusses a few things. So it talks about how the condo board works, you know, the rules that they have. It also talks about, for example, a reserve fund. A reserve fund is a pool that you put your money into. You have monthly maintenance fees. Some of that money goes towards the reserve fund. This fund is money that can be dipped into if there's any big renovations that need to be done to the condo. So for example, if all of the windows need to be replaced, there's a condo in Pickering right now that needs that. It's $2 million. And their reserve fund didn't have enough money. So what they're doing is they're passing all of that on to the people who are living in the units. So you can either pay $10,000 up front or they'll spread the 10000 out over a few months, right? So that is a cost that you're incurring where if you checked out the status certificate prior to purchasing the property and your lawyer saw that the reserve fund was low and if you guys got hit with two, three, five million dollar, um, oh my gosh, I forget. I can't think of the word right now. Um, but essentially, if you get hit with that type of money, If they can't float, that's going to be on you. And the other thing that I would want to mention is that that also discusses outstanding lawsuits. One time I had my lawyer review a status certificate and there was six lawsuits on the condo. And I'm here thinking, okay, automatic red flag, red flag, six lawsuits. That's a lot. What the heck is going on? There must be some issues. And when people try to address these issues, they're still they're still there, right? Wow. So that is a huge red flag. I don't know. Is that what you were? Yes. To? <laughs> yes. Yes. We had that issue. We didn't find out until closing that there was a lawsuit on there, and I was like, "Oh, oh no, <laughs> too late! No. Can't pull that. We have to go through with it." 
So I would definitely encourage people to do their, 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 homework due diligence yes their due yes. diligence on their condo corps um listen i even found okay google now has google reviews yes. i didn't even know <laughs> where so um my um my i went on google and i, I saw that um they had really bad reviews just themselves we also knew about the lawsuit but that was coming towards the end of closing that's yeah. when we found out we didn't find out any other time um so there's that and then the reviews of how they maintenance the property and all that sort of stuff so just to give people that heads up to do their due diligence on things like that because sometimes you get some really bad people who manage these things and they mismanage the money and mm -hmm. i would just say it could be issues Right. Do your so listeners, I don't listeners. I do not want to scare you once again. So she said, uh, not throwing shade to anyone. Right. I never blame the client, but I, as a realtor, would make sure that we look at the status certificate and we make a decision prior to even firming on the deal. And I say, look, let we're gonna look at the status certificate. If we don't like what we see, we're getting our deposit back, and you cannot pursue us. Yeah. That's what I say every time with condos, right? Because I just want to make sure that my clients are protected, and it's called a special assessment. That's what it's called. When there's not enough money in the reserve fund, oh, they will okay. impose a special, special assessment. Assessment. Yeah. So um, the go go. No, no. I was just gonna basically put that out there. Just, just do your homework. That's all I'm saying. Do I'm not homework. saying like just no because I don't want you to be in a situation like us when we found out as we were signing papers. Yeah. <laughs> so that, there's that issue. Yes. A hundred percent. Um, and that that also goes for pre-construction properties too. Like that's a whole other game. But sometimes when you see a deposit structure that's very attractive, say ten percent or less. Most of the time when it seems too good to be true, it is. And you can do a quick, quick, quick Google search and type in the developer. And a lot of the times the Google reviews will tell you a lot about them. So pre-construction, a good thing to note is see if you can search the developer. If they don't have Google reviews, maybe they just don't have a Google profile. But sometimes that means that they're not necessarily established. They don't have a big track record or they'll have good reviews. And you're like, okay, this is a good builder or they have very bad reviews. And that should tell you. Wow. Something. Well, now I have questions about pre-construction. Uh, That's that another time. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, now, some people have contemplated the idea of buying property without the use of a realtor. What might they want to re reconsider? What, okay. So let's let's use this, this condo example, <laughs> right? So someone's on realtor.ca and they see a condo listed in Scarborough for $400,000. Me, if someone sends me a condo for $400,000 in Scarborough, I already know that's an old condo, right? So some people are like, oh, that's my budget. Number one, I know 400K, that's an old condo. And what happens with older condos? There's more maintenance, which means that your monthly maintenance fees oh, are going to be higher, okay? okay? So that condo might be 400,000 or 500,000, but the monthly maintenance fees are $900, $1,000 right? So that is $1,000 that's not going towards your mortgage. That is simply going to the condo. Now, if we think big picture, the longer you stay in the condo, the higher the condo fees are going to go up. So when you go to sell the property, not only is the value of the condo going to be lower, right? The condo fees are going to be even higher. So when it comes to reselling, it's going to be difficult. Oh. So this is just one piece of, once again, not all realtors discuss these things. 
But this is one of the reasons why you need to work with the right realtor because they will have your best interest and they will protect you. Something else people also don't discuss is um, realtors have insurance. We pay into insurance. So for example, Arizona omissions, like if something was overseen, that's completely okay. There's insurance. Deposit protection, there's insurance. So okay. you have that extra layer of protection. Like I said, you have access to stats, but we have access to all of the data. We can see the trends. We know the trends. We can analyze the data and we have relationships with realtors. So I have had situations where I was in a multiple offer situation and they wanted to take my client's offer over another realtor's offer because they know me and they know how I operate. Now, mm. if you went alone, I will say this one thing because I do not recommend purchasing a property on your own. However, some people like to purchase a property without a realtor because that cuts out the other realtor's commission. They're not bringing a buyer realtor, right, to the deal. So they're going to the seller directly. They might save money because they're not paying. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Out that commission. So that's a mindset that some people have. However, you have to realize that they have the listing agent has a fiduciary obligation to protect the best interest of the seller. We cannot have two legitimate clients at once, which therefore puts you in a default position of a customer. So just know that they, at the end of the day, their paperwork says they have to protect the seller. So you could be putting yourself in a very vulnerable situation by doing something like that. Mm. So I think it's best to get a realtor. I understand people yes, want exactly. to cut corners. Corners. But no. Listen, we're free. What are you doing? That's we're free, it. Okay. We understand contracts. I don't know. Depending on your job, maybe you're a lawyer and you understand contracts. But aside from that, we are the ones who deal with these contracts. We know them in and out. And we know what's going to protect you in certain situations and what stipulations, for example, reviewing the status certificate that will protect you in the event that something is off. So I always say go to not only just a realtor. Do your homework, go look at the Google reviews, vet the realtor because the barrier of entry is extremely low. And there's some realtors, not trying to be disrespectful, probably don't even know what condo fees are. So I recommend, yeah, it's like some people like, oh, I want to work with my mom's old realtor. But it's like the mom's old realtor isn't familiar with how everything is structured today. You know what I'm saying? Because it's constantly changing. Exactly. So it's just like do your due diligence, but 100% 
I say always use a realtor. Even if they're not the best, at least they have insurance. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. So get a realtor. Get a realtor. Now, what is the difference yes. between a mortgage from a bank versus yeah. a mortgage from an agent broker? Okay. Yeah. 100%. So a lot of people come to me and say they bank with TD. They say to me, Hey, um, I'm actually going to go to TD. I'm going to get my pre-approval. No shade at TD, by the way, I, I bank with TD. Um, and I say, Hey, I'm going to get my mortgage pre-approval and then I'm going to come see you. And I always say to people, you can go to the bank. The thing is the bank is only going to have the bank's rates and you are going to have to negotiate with the bank on your behalf you're going to have to negotiate for yourself, right? Whereas if you go to a mortgage agent or broker, these guys work with banks, B lenders, C lenders, they work with everyone. And what they'll do is they'll get a rate from here, a rate from there, and they'll put them against each other because they're trying to get you as a client, right? So at the end of the day, your agent or broker is negotiating on your behalf with multiple people to get you the best rates. Whereas if you go to the bank, they're only going to give you the bank's rates. And depending on what your situation is, if you're an entrepreneur, if you have high debt, the bank might not want to give you a mortgage. Right Now, the thing that comes with potentially, say, going to alternative lending is your interest rates might be a bit higher. So what you're paying on a monthly basis, less will go toward your mortgage and more will go towards your interest. Um, but you have to keep in mind that even a mortgage broker, they can put a couple banks against each other and see what they can get for you. So I always recommend if you want to go with the bank, that's fine. But just make sure that you also weigh out all of your options because this person is really going to go to bat for you. And once again, you do not pay for this person. The lender is paying the mortgage person. So at the end of the day, get yourself a free realtor and get you someone who is going to negotiate on your behalf and get you the best rates for free. Yeah, especially because now yeah, the prices of mortgage, uh, exactly. get yourself a broker. Because right? it really help and you um, get, hopefully, I don't know, like, Jaden, maybe you can give me more information about this, but is it still possible to get good rates now during this time? Okay, so here's the thing, right? We are just so used to what we've seen the past couple of years with like historically low rates that even the rates we're seeing today, they're still pretty decent compared to history, right? So at the end of the day, I say that rates, they're, they're going to go up and they're going to go down. They are a bit higher than what we're used to seeing. However, if we look at the big picture, um, they're not too, too hectic. Okay. So it's yeah. possible is what you're it's saying. It's possible. Yeah, yeah. No, you okay. just, once again, talk to a mortgage broker. Like, it really just depends on the connections that they have with lenders, sort of the same way I'm saying, like, I'm a realtor. I have good relationships with other realtors, which helps me negotiate. Uh, it's the same way with mortgage people and, and the lenders, right? They might be able to do a favor here and there, uh, depending okay. on, on what their relationship is. And the other thing I wanted to mention with banks is that, imagine, say I have my TFSA with the bank, I have my savings account, I have my mortgage, they're monopolizing your entire portfolio, right? Mm -hmm. They have all of the leverage. What is going to incentivize them to give you better rates, right? So that's also something to to keep in mind. Okay. Okay, good. Um, Being that said, since interest yes. rates are going up, some people may not yes. be able to own a home. So uh, there's something I heard called rent to own. Can you talk to yes. us about what that concept is? Would this be an option to help those eventually own a home? 
Yeah. So um, in one of the reels I, I recently posted, I was very passionate about this topic. I hate rent to own. Okay. A lot of people hear rent to own, right? And they're like, oh, this sounds like a very, you know, it, it is a great idea, idea in theory, but the way that it's executed is very poor. And I don't know any realtors who know of a successful rent to own situation. Ooh. I will just say that. Um, but how it essentially works is you'll rent a property with the plan of purchasing it at an agreed upon sale price, right? So I am a renter. I'm like, Hey, Michelle, uh, let's do a rent to own agreement. Sure. This is what we're going to pay. Awesome. Now the main issue with this is it cuts out, right? A lot of the middlemen. So we're talking about realtors, potentially mortgage people, lawyers, depending on which lawyer you use, if it's the seller's lawyer could run into some issues. Um, but my biggest thing here is the lack of regulation. So you agree on a purchase price, you're going to give them what's called an option fee. So that's going to be one to 5% typically of the purchase price that you're going to give them as a deposit. So say $500,000 house, you're giving them, let's just say 25,000 if you're giving the high end of the, the option fee. So imagine you're living in the house, you're paying your rent, and then um, one month you're, you're late on rent. Depending on how the contract was written, you could actually forfeit your right to purchase the property and lose your option fee. So the main issue I have with this is because of the lack of regulation, there's a lot of people who have a lot of houses who are open to making predatory contracts and capitalize on people who can't own because they're not in the right financial situation or don't have the right credit, who don't understand contracts, who then sign contracts and could potentially be manipulated, right? Another issue that I find with rent to own is people are like, okay, in a few years, I'm gonna be in the right financial position, but sometimes people, you know, a few years down the line, the time comes and they can't qualify for a mortgage. And when they can't qualify, they then forfeit their option fee. And depending on the situation, the seller might not sell them the house. And another issue on top of that is if the deal falls through, um, when you are in a rent to own situation, you are basically seen as the owner of the property. So you're the one paying for maintenance. You can do the updates. You might even be paying something like property taxes. But imagine, right, you're living in this house thinking that you're going to purchase it and then you're a month late on rent or you can't qualify at the end and you're losing your option fee and all of your aspirations of ownership when you could have used that time to save more money and get in the traditional way. Oh, geez, so much for that. <laughs> it yeah, makes so sense that you could be manipulated, though, and you could lose it. But darn yeah, like I'm sure there are successful rent-to-owns out there, right? Um, but if you are going to proceed with rent-to-own, just make sure you have the appropriate people in place. If it's not a realtor, at least a mortgage person who okay. can continue to help you build your your quote-unquote like portfolio, right? So, okay, make sure your credit's good, you're saving enough money, etc. And then also make sure you have a lawyer that can look at this contract and make sure that it is a fair contract. Fair. I hope you guys are listening because these are some gems that she's dropping. Um, another thing that I heard. Yeah. There is also this government program of the first time homeowner buys incentive. Now explain to listeners on whether this would be an avenue to take to own a home. Yeah. Okay. So once again, I have very strong opinions on things. <laughs> I, I hate it. I okay. don't like it at all. Um, some realtors do recommend it, but they're not thinking long-term. Okay. So how it basically works is the government will give you five to 10% of your purchase price to put towards a down payment. Now you're thinking, oh, awesome. I don't have any money saved. The government's going to give you money. No, first of all, 
you need to have the original 5% down and then they'll give you another 5%. Okay. The main issue that we have with purchasing, but the main issue we have with purchasing the property is the fact that we, we struggle to stay for the original 5% okay, in the first fair, place. Fair. Right? Okay. So it's like if they helped us with the original 5%, like that would be great. Um, but the, the main issue with this is that, Okay, we'll talk about the benefits, right? So the government gives you an extra $25,000 so that your mortgage is $25,000 less. That is awesome. Your monthly mortgage payment is going to be about $150 less. Now, there's always a trade-off, right? They give you 5% on the front end. They want 5% on the back end. Okay, so 5% is $25,000. That's on the front end. Now, on the back end, historically, real estate tends to double every 10 years. Let's just be reserved. Let's say that the $500,000 house turns into a $740,000 house, okay? When you go to sell that property, 5% of $740,000 is $37,000. So they are taking significantly more than they gave you, Uh, right? Just so you could have $150 less monthly. But in my opinion, I say, you know what? Forget that. Pay just the 5%. Don't take money from the government. And when the time goes to sell the property, you're saving that $37,000. As in your, right? mo- it's so in your some, pocket. It's not in theirs. They don't claim it back. Theirs, right? So some realtors, they're like, okay, yeah, no, this is a great incentive. But it's like, no, if you think long-term, especially, right? I'm going off of average appreciation. That's assuming, what if you go in and you do all these renovations, you bought the house under value, you did all these rentals, and all of a sudden, you personally, not because of the market, but you brought the value of the house up a few hundred thousand dollars. The government is still going to be taking its cut out of that, even though you were the one that bought all the supplies and did all the renovations, right? So don't get me wrong. There are very, there's a couple of instances where doing this incentive will help someone actually just qualify for a home because they can't qualify the traditional way with the monthly mortgage payments. Um, But the majority of the time, if you don't need this, do not don't, don't use, use this incentive, it. right? Because okay. it sounds good up front, but you already know the government is doing their one-two thing <laughs> on the back end. Right? It's trying to so. get some money back from my, I think they're trying to claw back from COVID, all that money that they yeah, right? <laughs> that they gave out and they gave to the wrong people. They're like, so how can we uh, get some money back? Recoup these costs. And yeah, we're going to take it away from the first time home buyers who've been saving for years to buy a house and then we're going to screw them on the back end. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's the so, government. So I'm point. passionate about that one. <laughs> <laughs> now, first time home buyers do have the luxury to put down 5%. However, they automatically have to pay mortgage insurance. What is mortgage insurance? And what do first time own- homeowners need to know about it? Yes. So this one gets a Jaden stamp of approval. I am okay with mortgage insurance and I encourage people almost to do mortgage insurance. So what happens is if you put less than 20% down on a mortgage, you're considered a riskier borrower because, or a high risk borrower because you didn't put the 20% down. Okay. So this will actually protect the lender in the event that you default on your payment. So say you default on your payment, they are going to be able to recoup those costs, right? The issue is a lot of people come to me, they say, Hey, I want to wait until I save 20% down because I don't want to be subject to mortgage insurance. On, say, a $500,000 house, your mortgage insurance, you can't quote me on this, say around $20,000, okay? This $20,000 will be spread out over the life of your mortgage, so say 25 yeah. years, mm-hmm. okay? That equates to what? Maybe seven dollars $800 a year okay. extra that you're paying to get into real estate significantly earlier. 
if you want to put 20% down, that's okay. However, are you going to be able to save at the rate that houses appreciate? That's the main issue, right? Because if you have $20,000 now and you want to save to $40,000, that's completely okay. But by the time you have $40,000, is that house now worth an additional 5%? And instead of $40,000, you're going to need $50,000 or $60,000, right? So I see personally mortgage insurance as a tool that you can leverage to get into the real estate game earlier. Because if you wait to save that 20%, the house is most likely going to be significantly higher in value and you're just going to be chasing a never ending finish line. Okay. Okay. I get it now. Cause I was wondering what that was. I was like, why do we have to pay this? <laughs> yeah. What, what do we no, honestly, yeah. And no, that is, that is a misconception too, right? Like a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, mortgage insurance is terrible. And I think, look, if I'm spending seven, eight hundred dollars, say say it's even a hundred dollars a month, right? An extra hundred dollars a month so that I can get into a house that could potentially double in value in 10 years, that completely dwarfs yeah. the mortgage insurance, right? Because oh, yeah. if you can buy that five hundred thousand dollar house and it goes to a million dollars within 10 years, all you really paid was a few thousand dollars. Yeah. Right? It's not it's not so as much. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> You're giving me some things also to, like I'm I'm learning things. So thank you Good. as well. You are welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> now, now due to the high interest rates, have you noticed less houses on the market? Those that are on the market, are they going over for askings like they used to? Is it taking longer to sell? Mhm. Mhm. So I'll definitely say that was there's less inventory than what we saw during the peak, right? Cuz a lot of those buyers are now satisfied. They now have their houses. Um, but the main thing that we're seeing is that people were throwing their houses on the market because they saw such high demand and they knew they would make X amount of dollars for their property, right? The main issue that we have now is with increased interest rates means that buyers have less buying power, which means that houses are going to naturally sell for less money. So the sellers who are listing their houses before were listing it, like I said, the majority because they wanted to capitalize on the top value of their house. But right now that's no longer happening. So those sellers are no longer entering the market and the buyer pool has significantly shrunk because number one, a lot of the buyers who were looking before already purchased. And number two, a lot of the buyers who were qualified before who have to relock in pre-approvals because interest rates are so high, they cannot qualify. So I always try to let people know. So for example, I might be pre-approved for a $500,000 house at say a 5% interest rate. If the interest rate goes up again, I might not qualify for 500000 And if I drop below that mark, I might not even be able to afford a home anymore. Wow. That's what I'm saying, right? So I always tell people it's not really a market issue or that there's less demand. It's just that people are getting pre-approved for less and people are not qualifying. Yeah. Right? So the people who are carrying the market right now are say investors or people who are capitalizing on the fact that yeah, home prices or interest rates are up, they're probably going to go back down in a little bit. And if I can purchase a property $200,000 less than the neighbor paid for it, when it comes to resell, I have a $200, uh, you know, gap mm -hmm. that I have to play with, right? Um, I would say in terms of how fast they're selling, when it was the peak of the market, a lot of people were listing properties two, three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars lower than what they were expecting because they wanted to create bidding wars and have people fight. And because the prices were so low, people were like the same day, I'm putting this offer in, I'm putting this offer in, I'm putting this offer in. So the houses were selling like hotcakes, right? right. First day, 500000 over asked. 
right? But that's not the climate anymore. Okay. So what we currently have is we have a few things. We have sellers who listed the property on the market thinking, oh, my neighbor got this much money X amount of months ago. I want to list at that price. Those houses are sitting. No one's entertaining that price because that price is now a joke, right? <laughs> then we have the people who decide, you know what? Let's use the old strategy. Let's list the property lower than what it's valued at and create a bidding war. But there's not many bidding wars happening right now, oh, right? Wow. So what they end up doing is they take the property off their market and they relist it at the price that should actually be. Now, those are houses that I consider to be on the market, okay? okay. Then there's houses that are in the market. And these are sellers who are looking at statistics and saying, okay, this is what the market is saying right now. I'm going to list my property and we're going to sell it within a reasonable amount of time for the best price. Because what happens is the houses that are overlisted and underlisted, the longer the properties on the market, statistics show, the less the house is going to sell for. So right now we are seeing longer days on market because we have these people who still aren't understanding what's going on with the market and aren't willing to come to terms with it, right? <laughs> and then naturally, even the people who are priced appropriately, they're seeing longer days on the market too, simply because there's less buyers, buyers. out in the market. Right. If you're looking at, say, a four, five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollar house, first time home buyers, a lot of first time home buyers are getting into the market right now. So those houses might have a few offers. But when you're looking at the million dollar, million mm. plus, the market, depending on where you're at, might be a little slower right now. So um, you also sort of have to, to keep that in mind. But overall, houses are selling before they were selling for like 120 percent over list and now they're around 98 but that's because people are starting to list properties at what they're actually valued at okay and they're not trying to sense? yes they're not trying to you know one up get a bit of, no so <laughs> it's so funny because one of my clients he was talking to me the other day there was um a house in da, 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 i think it was like brampton or Scarborough, it was a duplex and it was listed for like $600,000, which is significantly less than what it should be listed for. Right. And we're like, oh crap, like it should be like a mil, right? Okay. Like, oh my goodness, this is a good deal. So then we call and they're like, yeah, no. Well, he actually called and they're like, yeah, no. Uh, so we want like a million dollars. And he's <laughs> like, well, why would you, you listen at six? Like, <laughs> that's it because that's an example of a seller that still has the wrong mindset. Yeah. And most people have adopted a new mindset now. So when people see 600K, they're like, oh, wow, they must really be needing to get this property, you know, sold. Yeah. And then it's like, no, that's that's not the just case. the tactic that they're trying to use to yeah. get it to sell. Okay. Which is failing. But what I wanted to say is number one, the reason why the house prices were so ridiculous in Durham. Is because we're the cheapest place in the GTA. Oh, so people, right? They're out here selling their properties, even a condo downtown Toronto, and they're ready to upsize. They have a lot more capital than even people in our market. We price ourselves out of our own market because people were coming from the West, right? Oh. So house prices were going up so high so fast that people were just trying to secure a property at that point, right? So they're like, okay this household for whatever, let's just try to get into this market because we don't know how much longer this this craziness is going to last, right. right? So I tell sellers right now, if you are looking to sell your house, if you do not need to sell, do not sell. If you're just selling to sell, do not sell. If you are selling to upside, this is the perfect time to upsize and I will tell you why. Okay. Your condo may have been worth a million dollars, Okay. Say it's now, I'm going to say it's worth $800,000 now just for illustrative purposes, okay? okay? Say it went down in value but to $800,000, right? That house that you're going to buy 
also has gone down in value and it's most likely been hit harder than what your house has been hit, right? Because say the average house has gone down, let's just say a number 20%, right? Yours is down 20%, theirs is down 20%. Their down 20% is way more than your down 20%. So you might be selling for 20% less, but you're gonna get a discount on your future house, which is gonna actually give you more opportunity to make money because when the values start going back up, right? You're laughing because you got it at an extra discount. Okay. So that's a little bit of game. It's a different perspective. Not too many Yeah. Because I thought I was like, oh, we lost. It's over. It's done. No. Because <laughs> the house you're about to buy, number one, probably went down more in value than yours. And number two, because the market is has calmed down, you will have the opportunity to get a home inspection. You will have the opportunity to get financing. If you guys had to sold your, your house, when it was at its peak, you would have been fighting with multiple other people to purchase the next step up property. And you, right? And right. you would have been like, you know what? We need to put a clean offer in because when it was at its peak, people were not accepting inspections. They were not accepting fina- uh, financing. But now you actually have the time. You can go look at a couple houses. You can put the financing. You can put the inspection. So, I mean, we could chat after, but yeah. I'm saying maybe next year this or this year whatever year you're referring to mm-hmm. just 2023, it might be a good option for you but that's just sellers right now a lot of people are like oh i'm bummed i missed out on the opportunity if you're downsizing not the best right I'm, now right but if you're upsizing you're you're getting a bit of a win there oh uh, thank you so much for this information Jane. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to wrap up but I just wanted That's to ask good. one final question. What do you see is the projection for 2023 in terms of interest rates, houses? Do you see it getting better? Is it going to get worse? Like some people are saying, what do you? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the issue is like, I don't have a crystal ball, right? And my guess is obviously an educated guess yeah. based off of what I've seen in the market. Um, but I think that we saw, I believe, seven hike uh, increase or rate increases last year. Yeah. It's really just not sustainable. Like people are losing their houses. Some people bought at the peak. They can't afford the house because um, they bought at the, the top of their budget and they have a variable rate. And now they have to sell the house even at a loss. Goes back to choosing the right realtor and mortgage person. Okay. Um, but because people are in some interesting financial situations, I don't foresee them going up. Maybe I think it's going to go up maybe once or twice, maybe three times. After that, I do think that it's it's going to halt. Um, and once we know for sure that it's going to halt, I think that's when some people are going to start going back into the market because they're going to be more comfortable with knowing, hey, okay, I don't have to worry about purchasing a property and then rates continuing to go up. Um, just for example, my house, I bought it at the peak. I got a variable rate because historically variable rates are lower. Wasn't expecting all of these hikes. And now I'm paying almost 1600 a month extra since I first purchased the property because of the hikes. Right. Um, I know it's not the best situation, it hurts. but it is a duplex, right? So there's multiple uh, units multiple okay. incomes coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main thing is just, I think it's going to be more of a balanced market this year. Buyers, like I said, are going to have the opportunity to protect themselves. At the end of the day, they're the one that dictates the value of the house. So if someone's selling a house, they think it's worth $2, but the most that a buyer is willing to spend is $1, they're going to have to make a decision. Do I sell for the $2 or sorry, do I, do I take it off and wait for $2 or do I sell for the $1? And there's a lot of sellers right now who are selling for the $1. So I think it's just going to be, people are still going to be buying houses. People still need to sell houses. 
Um, but I don't foresee it being as crazy as it's been. And I think that buyers are going to have a lot more opportunities this year than we've seen uh, in the recent past. Okay. Well, Jaden, thank you so much. I'm going to allow you to take a minute to let us know what's going on with you. If there's anything coming up, where can my listeners follow you or contact you? So go ahead and plug in your information. Yeah, 100%. So I'm basically Jaden Kennedy Real Estate on all platforms, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. If you like food reviews and you live in the Durham region, I do food review videos on my favorite restaurants. Um, And I'm also going to do an Instagram live for aspiring realtors. Actually, I don't know when this is going to be released, but either way, by the time you hear this, there's going to be an Instagram live posted for people who aspire to be realtors. And you can go check that out, see what it's like to be a realtor um, and if real estate is for you. But if you guys ever have any questions, like I said, you can reach out to me via social media. My phone number is 289-943-7934. I would be more than happy just to have a conversation with you um, and sort of just go from there. But I like people. I like houses. I love my job. So talk to me. (laughs) And remember what we said earlier, if you're outside of the Ontario area, maybe Jaden might be able to help you out too. find you with some good connected people to help you whether you're buying or selling. Okay. Thank you so much, Jaden, for being on our episode. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Now, if you enjoyed it, don't forget to rate or review. If you're listening from Apple Podcasts or Spotify, if you leave ratings and reviews, that helps me get seen and hopefully onto the top charts. Don't forget to follow us also on our social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. All information on how you can follow us on our social media page will be in the show notes below. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm. Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 